Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. There's something about trees, isn't there? If you're a kid and you're in the presence of a big tree with a lot of low branches, it's an invitation to climb, isn't it? Kids love to climb trees. Falling from such a great height as a tree also brings one of the first childhood experiences of going to an emergency room to get a cast putting on a broken arm or a broken leg that all your friends at school sign for you. I can remember when I was a kid, probably nine or ten years old, we had a, it was a, it was kind of a young maple tree in the front yard, but it was a good size. It was quite a bit taller than the house, and I climbed that tree all the time. We were playing Frisbee in the front yard, and the Frisbee got caught up in the tree. I said, I'll go up and climb that tree and get that Frisbee. Shaking the limbs, and I see the Frisbee, I'm shaking the Frisbee out of the tree. Find something else in the tree that besides the Frisbee, called a hornet's nest. I got out of that tree faster than I got out of any tree in my life. I think I actually grace probably fell out of that tree. Fortunately, the only thing I came away with was three plates on the on the back of my hand. It swelled up like a balloon. But mom and her baking soda paste and everything took care of that, and I didn't even have to go to the hospital for it. So, um, but. Even if we fall out of trees, is that going to stop a kid from climbing a tree? It's not. There's always going to be another tree beckoning for us to go climb. Adults, on the other hand, usually have a more restrained approach to the term being up a tree. Usually being up a tree doesn't mean that you're physically up a tree. That means that you're in a situation where you're stressed out and your wit's in. Like in... Timmy fell out of the tree, and now I have a $1,000 emergency room bill that I have to pay because he fell out of the tree that he was climbing. But not every adult associates being in branches with being out on a limb. There is a group called Tree Climbers International, which promotes a sport of low-impact, high-safety tree climbing for adults that uses ropes and harnesses. And this group is based out of Atlanta, where you can literally learn the ropes, pardon the pun, and get to climbing for fun and for relaxation. You know, it's the joy of being a kid again while minimalizing the risk. Now, you notice I said minimalize. Climbing a tree, there's always risk involved because you get out on that limb, you never know if that limb behind that pretty bark, it might be rotted. Or it could be a tree that's just waiting for that next big wind to come along and blow it down. Ropes or not, climbing can be dangerous as well as fun. And I think that's what makes it more enticing to a lot of people is the risk that's involved. And we see that mixture of danger and excitement in probably the most famous tree climbing story of all, Zacchaeus. You might call him the patron saint of tree climbers, right? As the old Sunday school song goes, he was a wee little man, right? And a wee little man was he. As other translations put it, he was short in stature. He wasn't a very tall guy. Okay. Now Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. He was a local entrepreneur that employed other tax collectors 
to go around and collect all the tolls and the tariffs and the taxes in the local area. And in this case, he was in a town called Jericho. Tax collectors, they could pretty much get away with charging anybody anything that they wanted to charge them. As long as the Roman government got what they wanted to get, tax collectors could pretty much charge whatever they wanted. They get the pocket of the leftover, and no one in the system would have profited more than the chief tax collector of a particular area. And this was Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus was a very rich man. And it's, it's no wonder that the tax collectors were among the most hated in the Jewish people in the first century. They were the ones that often left their Jewish brethren up a tree with the heavy taxes and the shrinking incomes. To get a general sense of how people felt about tax collectors, take an IRS agent and put him in a room full of Tea Party people. And you'll get an idea of how hated the tax collectors were. Rest assured that if an IRS agent was in a room full of Tea Party folks, he was going to be looking for the nearest tree to climb because he finds himself up a tree amongst people that hate him. Jesus, however, seemed to gravitate toward these nefarious entrepreneurs, toward the people who were hated, toward the people who were outcasts. Earlier in Luke's gospel, the religious establishment repeatedly mocked Jesus for being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You go back a little bit to Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and following, Jesus calls a man by the name of Levi. Levi was a tax collector. Levi, and because of the joy of being called by Jesus, decided to hit through a banquet. So he gathered together all of his friends. Now, what type of friends do you think tax collectors were going to have? Other tax collectors, right? So you get this banquet of tax collectors that Jesus is going to go have dinner with, and the scribes and the Pharisees were having a field day with it. Look at him. He's going to have dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners. Chapter 7 and verse 34 Jesus, when, when telling about what people said about him, he says, they, he said the people said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. The tax collectors and sinners crawling near to Jesus. And you wonder, you don't have to really figure out why. They didn't have any friends, but yet Jesus wanted to be their friend. And in doing so, people around him says, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Tax collectors didn't have any other friends except themselves. And sometimes they didn't even get along with each other. They only had enemies amongst the town people. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus so bad, in fact... He runs ahead and climbs a sycamore tree because he heard that Jesus was about to pass this way. The crowd was so big, the people were so much taller than he was, you can kind of imagine him kind of looking around and kind of jumping up and down trying to see past the people, and he couldn't do it. So he sees this sycamore tree, and he runs ahead. Now, the first century readers, 
in, in seeing that Zacchaeus ran and would see that Zacchaeus was really acting like a kid. He was acting like a child. Running and climbing a tree were both considered undignified and embarrassing for an adult male in that culture. Didn't matter whether you had ropes or not to climb the tree. Climbing a tree as an adult was frowned upon. This is not something you did. So you can almost imagine the snickering at the sight of this little weasel Zacchaeus running and climbing this tree just to get a sight of Jesus. It's acting like this scared little boy trying to get away from people. It was an act that would have pushed him even lower on the social scale. They hated tax collectors already. The chief tax collector, they really hated. And then to have him run and climb a tree, it's just even more fodder for them to have to shoot at him. Just look at this idiot climbing a tree. Jesus comes to town. And he notices that Zacchaeus is up a tree. In more ways than one, right? For Zacchaeus and many other people that find themselves on the margins of society, and that's where Zacchaeus lived, he was marginalized along with other sinners, along with prostitutes, along with lepers and other people that had infirmities. Women were often marginalized in society. Being up and away from this crowd, being marginalized, probably was a place of refuge for him. It was a place of safety. He could get up there and he could hide in the branches and he could be away from the people that hate him so much. Zacchaeus might even have taken this childlike action to the next level and since people on the ground hated him so much, he could build himself up there and just stay up there away from all these people that hated him so much. Ultimately, though, living in a tree doesn't work, does it? At some point, you got to come down. And when you're going to come down out of the tree, it's better to have somebody there to catch you. Jesus comes along, and he stops, and he looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus. And he's not like everybody else who shakes his head and goes, what an idiot. He's not like that. He didn't say that. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, you need to hurry and come on down out of that tree because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Okay, one, you don't go to the house of a tax collector. Two, you don't invite yourself over to somebody's house. So here's a double social faux pas, right? You don't do either one of these things. Double social no-no here. Jesus calls him down for being up a tree. He's out on a limb. He's hanging on with his little fingernails. And in doing so, Jesus continues to be guilty as charged for hanging out with the wrong people. The crowd begins to grumble. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh, my stars! 
How dare he go home with the wrong people? Actually, though, was Jesus acting like a guest? As typical, when Jesus went over to somebody else's house, he ends up acting like what? The host. He ends up acting more like the host. Zacchaeus had gone up a tree looking for Jesus. But when Jesus came through Jericho, headed for Jerusalem, he was actually looking for Zacchaeus. Because the Son of Man came to seek out and save those who were lost. And at that point in time, who was more lost than Zacchaeus? Showing up to his, the house of this tiny tax collector demonstrated to everyone in the crowd that those who were up a tree were those who Jesus came to save. Those are the people that Jesus is coming and seeking out. Interestingly enough, the, the last statement of Jesus' passage has most often been used to suggest that saving the lost is all about a, a private, personal experience of conversion that results in getting somebody into heaven. What happened to Zacchaeus is different than that. What happened to Zacchaeus is a much more comprehensive salvation. It's a salvation that came to who? To his whole house. And it results in a transformative healing of the whole person in the present, not just in the future. The salvation that Jesus offers Zacchaeus changes Zacchaeus' life through and through. As a result, those people that were around him benefited, didn't they? Did the poor benefit from Zacchaeus' change? Sure they did. Zacchaeus says that half of everything that I have, I'm going to sell and give to the poor. That would have been substantial for this man. Because he was the chief tax collector, so he would have been rich. So the poor are going to get half of his money, half of his possessions. And he goes even a step further. And he's saying, Lord, if there's anybody that I've defrauded by my corrupt actions, I'm going to restore them four times what I took from them. You know what that means for a lot of people? Solvency. Instant solvency. And now they're secure again. You see, when Zacchaeus is saved, the whole community benefited, didn't it? The whole community reaped the benefits. You know, when the lost are found and trees start getting shaken, everyone enjoys the fruit that comes from repentance. And that should be the same way with us. You know, repentance and, and coming and being part of his part of his kingdom 
having, having our souls changed by the blood of Jesus through baptism, should not be something that just changes me. That just benefits me. The benefit should be felt all over. My family should benefit. The place where I work should benefit. My neighborhood should benefit. The people that I recreate with should benefit from it. The people that I drive with on the road should benefit from it, right? When we become Christians, everyone should benefit from the fact that I am now a child of God because my behavior and my attitude and my speech and my thought process and everything is now different. It is changed. It is a benefit that the whole community experiences. Now, Jesus came looking for people who were... You know, we've all been up a tree since day, long time ago, when somebody went up a tree looking for something other than God, right? Adam and Eve went up a tree looking for something other than God, didn't they? God said, don't. They did it anyway. Jesus has come to invite us to come down out of that tree. He has come to invite us to a new life. A new life that reflects the kind of healing. A new life that reflects the kind of wholeness. That reflects the kind of salvation that his kingdom brings to us. And once we have encountered Jesus... Once we have accepted his invitation, then we are to go and invite others to live lives that are firmly planted in his grace. Do you know anybody that's up a tree right now? Maybe it's that single mom in your neighborhood who's trying to hold down a job and care for a couple of kids. Maybe it's that older person who sits alone in church with, and no one notices. Perhaps it's the guy at work who struggles with an addiction. Or the kid who's been abandoned by parents. Chances are there's a lot of people that we meet every single day who are up a tree and need help. They're up a tree and they need to come down, but they need somebody to catch them. Can we be the church that follows Jesus' example and invites people to come down out of the tree by inviting them to dinner, by inviting them to a conversation, inviting them to a new way of life? Can we be that type of church? Yeah, it's still a social no-no to invite yourself to other people's home for dinner. Only Jesus could get away with doing that. But every one of us has the opportunity to invite ourselves into somebody else's life. We can insert ourselves into somebody's life by offering him or her the kind of grace that Jesus Christ has offered me.
When we invest ourselves with others, that investment translates into fruit that the whole community can benefit from. When the lost tree dwellers start coming down out of the trees, we begin to see the kingdom of God grow. Benefit from those people coming down. You know, in the town of Jericho, there is a massive sycamore tree. And this is in Jericho. That tour guides will tell you this is the tree that Zacchaeus climbed. Now, whether it is or not, really doesn't matter, does it? Looks like a tree that would be fun to climb. Looks like it would be fun to get up there and hang out. But it wouldn't be a fun place to live. Doesn't look like it would be a fun place to stay. Zacchaeus came down and left his tree for a new life. A new life with Jesus. Can we help others to do the same? Can we help others to climb down out of the tree? Maybe this morning there's some people here that might have might be up a tree. Are you up a tree this morning? Are you up a tree in relationship problems? Are you up a tree with work problems? Are you up a tree with health problems? Are you up a tree spiritually or with sin? The invitation this morning is to come down out of the tree and experience the grace of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never been baptized in order to have your sins taken away, then folks, you're up a tree. And you might not even know it. Your invitation this morning, come down from the tree and let us help you find a new life in Jesus Christ. Let us help you experience the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. Folks, it's a better life than being up a tree. If you're up a tree and you need to come down, we invite you to come right now while we stand and sing.